Audio Only is up. Hello, Audio Only friends. Thank you for listening to the Read Pile on Anchor and giving us money. Pennies, even. Many pennies. Money pennies? All right, let's turn on the YouTube. And the YouTube channel is up. And finally, now that Coco is here, YouTube is running. I'm fixing my hair, which is part of the process. Ooh, ooh. You all right there, big guy? Yeah, little cough. It is now time for us to turn the camera around and go live. Are you ready, Ella Strange? Mm -hmm. All right. Turning the camera around. Now it's time to go live. Okay. Hi, everybody. It is I, the Sussman, Rick Sussman. There goes Coco the Beans. And, of course, I am joined by the original angry nerd girl herself, Ella Strange, here on a very... He's after the tape. He's after the tape. Do you guys want a black cat that eats tape? Does anyone out there want a black cat? Here he is now. He likes to eat tape. I don't know why. It's because he's dumb. I got a shirt of him now. Or maybe it's ink blot. I don't know. Either way, uh, this is one of the many presents bestowed to me specifically by great people and creators. Uh, L. Lestrange got, uh, got me this shirt, uh, I think. Uh, it also could have just come from Emma Kubert. Uh, because it looks very much like Inkblot. So I'm assuming that Emma Cooper, who obviously watches the show, uh, sent me this uh, as a birthday present. There was no there was no address, so I can assume that. It's fine. Yeah. Um, that was one of many birthday presents that I received. You didn't even bring the birthday banner in here. All that time, and you forgot to bring the birthday banner in. Mm. Oh, well. We'll take a photo of the birthday banner. Now, somebody else who gave me a present, this was from Tony... Tony Fleek specifically, Tony and uh, uh, Trish and Brad and Tone Rodriguez and Image Comics all together. Image Comics, they went and got me this as well. This is it. This is the Donnie Darko variant cover for Stray Dogs uh, Dog Days. This was given to me by Image Comics. It's on the inside cover. I, I can't show you because I, I, if I open it, it will go down in value. But on the inside cover, it says specifically and only for Rick Sussman on the uh, anniversary of his 40th birthday. It's what it says. It says it. It's right there. Uh, it's on the inside. Again, I'd open it and show you, but then it wouldn't be worth a billion dollars. And since it is worth a billion dollars, I, 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 you understand I can't open it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, again, thank you, Image Comics, for this. This is a one of one. It is mine. Uh, and, uh, and I could not be more grateful to have a copy. Uh, and then my friends over at the Backyard Breaks, uh, you guys should check them out. Backyard Breaks, uh, they do big uh, uh, card breaks. So if you ever wanted to get in on like, you know, really expensive collector cards, uh, I was uh, awarded uh, because it was my birthday a bunch of really awesome collector cards. Uh, I got uh, two of the WWE White Sparkle. Uh, these are hyper rare cards. One is Kevin Owens. So that's awesome. I'm going to going to message him because he's a friend, you know, and uh, he's going to like sign that and it's going to say because Rick's 40th birthday was amazing. It's going to write all that right on there and uh, then it, that's going to be mine forever. And then I also got one of somebody named Amelie and I don't know who she is, but apparently she's French and out of the NXT UK. So uh, that's cool too. And then uh, the, the guys at the backyard thought it would be cool if they just sent me a bunch of like these really nice Formula One cards. So these are really cool. Uh, and, uh, and they're all, uh, very, very rare, very expensive, so you can't touch them. These mm -hmm. are mine. These are my gifts. Believe me, I don't want them. These are my gifts, <laughs> and I was given them, and I love them. <laughs> I will not fart. Never mind. 
Um, I will admit, uh, turning 40, while at the time seemed terrifying, ended up being no real big deal. Um, you wake up with the same aches and pains that you had the day before, uh, only now you get uh, free gifts from Image Comics and uh, your friends who uh, crack open like $20,000 uh, cards a day, so that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't have any friends that do this. I don't. That's I right. have no friends. <laughs> that's right. These are my friends. Oh, anyway. So, one other big gift that was given to me, and I've already commented on it on uh, our various social media platforms, uh, but there is something that we do... Continue. That we do want to talk about. Uh, something that did happen. Uh, just shove it in between the, the books so they can't get to it. There's a small... I, I have a small amount of amber that is in a little plastic case, and because it's a small <clears throat> amount of amber inside a plastic case, the cats want to eat it. But we do want to actually talk about this week's episode of Moon Knight. We will not be spoiling the episode because it is a very deep, heavy episode. But there was something that I had to comment on. I've already done it on various social media outlets, but I, I wanted to talk to you about it here. Um, they uh, Remember at the very beginning of Moon Knight, when it was released and uh, Isaac, uh, or, or Oscar Isaac was set to portray the main character, I was a little annoyed. I'm like, well... I mean, Moon Knight is one of the only openly Jewish superheroes that there is. Turns out I forgot Hal Jordan is another one. But they've only sort of retconned that recently. But Because his mom was Jewish and his dad was non, uh, not Jewish. And they, they mentioned that in the DC Comics Festival of Lights book. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, but I was like, oh man, they couldn't have gotten like a Jewish person to play Moon Knight. That's, that's annoying. And then I figured, and I said it on this show, that Marvel, Disney, probably wasn't going to lean in to him being Jewish at all anyway. They were just going to sort of like, maybe you'd get like a passing reference, you know? Like, they didn't, and, and I did that because they didn't make a big, big deal about the fact that Cap is a very devout Catholic. They haven't made a big deal about anyone's religion. With Kamala Khan uh, soon to be debuting Miss Marvel, uh, they'll probably mention, I mean, they kind of have to mention that she's a Muslim. Um, so I wasn't really sure that they were going to do that with Moon Knight. They were just sort of maybe... Maybe give, like, like a, a hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing, like they do with Harley Quinn. Yeah. Um, where if you know, you know, but they don't ever directly address it. But yeah. they didn't do that. They leaned all the way into his faith, and they made sure that everyone knew that he grew up in a traditional Jewish household. And uh, when somebody passed away, th th all the family members got together to, to sit Shiva and, and to be, you know, they dressed all in their morning clothes, and... Then there was a couple of references. You get to see him actually wearing a yarmulke at one point and holding his yarmulke when he got mad, and he held it against his chest. And these are all very, like, powerful images and very much, you can't really avoid it. Like, oh, he's, he's clearly Jewish, isn't he? Mm -hmm. I did not expect this. And it had a very deep, profound, emotional impact on me because I have never seen a Jewish superhero before. Yeah. Um, and more importantly... It, Marvel didn't need to lean all the way in. I was going to be satisfied with them just, you know, you, you see them sitting Shiva at that one point, and I just sort of went, oh, okay, well, that's them including that he's Jewish. And I figured that would be it. That would, that would be it. But they didn't. They, they leaned all the way into his faith and his religion uh, growing up and how he sort of abandoned his faith and his religion for various reasons. And I thought that was really, really big and really, really important. And, again, up until that point, I had not seen a Jewish superhero. 
not on TV or in a movie. Mm-hmm. And if it was a TV or, or it wasn't, you know, Disney plus one of the MCU characters. I mean, we're big DC nerds, right? But of the two entities, DC and Marvel, who's killing it right now, L? As far as TV and movies are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you are not a particular person of faith, and you're obviously not, well, you're maybe not obviously, but you're also not Jewish. You weren't born Jewish, you didn't convert for me. Sorry! But I'm not a very religious person either. I, it's, it's not, it, the religion wasn't the part of it that struck me. Now, from an outsider, as it were, from someone who didn't have this growing up, what did you think of the of the ser- of the episode? Again, no spoilers. Just focusing on that one fact that they really addressed it. Did it, it didn't mean anything to you at all? And, and, and that's fine. Don't I, get me wrong. I didn't know I was going to have to talk about this. Um, I don't know. I I didn't really. I guess have an opinion. Okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Did it? It didn't change how you felt about the character. No, you told me that he. He was Jewish he was a long Jewish. time ago. Yeah. Eh, spoiler. <laughs> you told me that he was Jewish, and you had made a point to say, you know, you didn't think they would probably, if they haven't already referenced it, they're not going to. Yeah. So, you know. Okay. They did. <laughs> they did. They did. Now, um, did it give you any pause or any, like, did you feel... a? Like, the character had more layers now? Like, I, I thought Oscar Isaac no, and, and the have, writing was great. I have respect for anybody's religion. But, yeah. And if they feel that he is a character that is really connected to his religion, then that should be, you know, included in the story. Yeah. Because that's part of him. Who they and, are. Yeah, yeah, what makes them them, yeah. And so, you know, I... Like you said, I don't really follow any religion no. in particular, but you know, if it if that is part of who that person is, and you know, I respect that, and I think that's really cool. So, I again, I I truly did not expect for any number of reasons. I didn't expect Disney and Marvel to lean into his faith, even being a part of it. Again, it it, it, it it's not a major part of his character. Mm-hmm. It, just, it it really isn't. You know, we only get to meet Mark Spector in his mid to late 20s or whatever Oscar Oscar Isaac is not in his 20s, but I guess we're, well, we're supposed I mean, to believe if, that he is. If you want me to, like, start something, I could say that the fact that they are just making it so casual, Yeah. you know, it, it's opening up to let people know, look, you can talk about other religions. It's not <laughs> other, a big deal, not yeah. Not everybody is Christian. <laughs> right. Or Catholic, or, you know, specifically yeah. Catholic, or atheist in Tony Stark's case, or any of this other stuff. Or, yeah, so I think maybe in, you know, that aspect, yeah. It was, it was, it, and, and that's a great point. Because they didn't, they didn't like make a big deal. Like he didn't walk into his house and there was like seventeen menorahs and like a giant star of David painted on the floor or anything like that. Yeah. It was just that. Just, that's that was part of his youth. That was part of how he grew up. It's similar to how Marvel, like Marvel, got a lot of flack for this. But in um, Endgame, when they're doing the little, where everyone's sitting around talking about what it's like to live in a world without you know half the population, mm-hmm. one of the people who's sitting there mentions that he misses his husband. And that's the first ever reference in canon of someone being gay in the Marvel Universe. And, and people were like, oh, well, you know, how come it took so long? And I'm like, yeah, that's a fair question. But the fact that they did it so casually, 
So, yeah, well, okay, whatever. It does lend to your point of, well, it doesn't have to be a big, giant, red, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer kind of thing. It's, if that's just part of their background, if that's just part of their who they are, then maybe it's okay. Maybe we just mention it briefly because it doesn't require endless discussion. Right. Cool. Now, L, uh, you had a very microscopic read pile on your stack this week. Uh, as compared to previous weeks, mm-hmm. uh, and I, 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 I honor that reality that you you sacrificed your read pile for my birthday so that I would have a much larger read pile and people would be tuning in specifically to see my reviews. It's very sweet of you to have done something like that. I just didn't really want to read comics this week. <laughs> so L made the greatest sacrifice and allowed me to have my day. And it's now generated an entire week of days. Mm. Mm. <laughs> me. You. Me. <laughs> Would you like to begin your pile? Yeah. Oh. All right, and this is Trial of the Amazons issue two. The it's over, right? This is the end. What do you mean no? What do you, what do you mean no? I already knew <laughs> Just... that. I know they still got me. <laughs> so I knew that Nubia. Yes. Her coordination. Yeah, I've been seeing the ads with... for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. They're gonna do like you know, you know some some coordination. And, issue. and yeah. it, it turns out it's what I was thinking because I didn't really read about it, but I assumed that it had something to do maybe before she becomes queen, queen right? And yeah. This and that yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And so you, it's. I would think that it would be something that you're, you're going to learn more about her coordination. Her, her, right? Just her in particular, and, and about her. Um, which finally, I finished Nubia the Real One. That was oh, really that, good. oh, you should have told me you done a review for Nubia the Real One. <laughs> I'm so behind it's, it's on like it. Eight but months late, but yeah. It it was really. I I was actually able to sit. I read it all. Within the same 24 hours. <laughs> Not one that, day. Yeah. Just within the same 24 hours. I, I slept in between. Yeah. <laughs> I started it like the night before and then I finished the next day. <laughs> uh, but like the next morning really. Like, I didn't really wait long. Uh, but it, yeah, it was great. Um, very sad. Uh, a lot of things they bring up and talk about it. But we need to, we need to talk about it. So. Uh, but it leads into... Trial of the Amazons? Yeah, no, the Trial of the Amazons leads into the coordination, apparently, because at the end it says we're going to continue. Continue, yeah. I don't know if it's going to have, because at, by the end of this issue, you know, it seems pretty nicely packaged. Okay, so you do get an um, ending. Yeah. Do, okay. And so you're like, okay, so, you know, is it just continuing because it's in the same timeline, like right. the same universe, the same reality? That, you know that we're in right now versus you know you got all this other Wonder Woman stuff going on, but like evolution and all this. Yeah. Yeah. So, is it just a continuation for that purpose, or is I, I don't know. We, I don't know. We'll find out. Okay. Um, I'm gonna read it anyway. You, you, you still have my money. Uh, well, how was? The... I'm just gonna do a direct deposit. <laughs> <laughs> just open an account with DC Comics. Um, how was like did the story? You said the story wraps up. So, you get a good ending? You get, like... Yeah, uh, you do. It didn't sound like... We, um, 
We lose some Amazons mm-hmm. in the process, um, but we do... Was it Artemis? Up... Did Artemis die? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know. But uh, you do see her jumping in to, to help save everybody. Artemis? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Ar- she's Ar- not going to just sit by and be like, yeah, I... I... <laughs> well, well I guess they here. did. <laughs> Sucks to suck, y'all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Uh, if I have proven that, I don't like you guys. <laughs> Toodles! Uh, but anyway, uh, we do see an end to the battle with chaos. Um, and you see all the sacrifices that are made. Um, and, of course, Wonder Woman is, you know, you've already seen how she's trying to take blame for all of this. She's like, oh, I it's started all my, this shit I with did chaos. It. It's me. It's my fault. I have to take care of it all by myself. And then everybody, all the Amazons are like, Kay. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? Why are you starting this shit again? We're all here. Break out, We're Diana. We're just going to walk away. This is our home. <laughs> Beat seat. <laughs> we Don't you need to go kiss Batman again? We gotta go. <laughs> everybody kisses Batman. <laughs> so dreamy. Uh, but, you know, you get to see the teamwork and everything, and it's uh, very touching to see that all the the little arguments that they were having between the tribes and their disagreements and everything, it just Resolved. didn't matter anymore. Okay. It did not matter. Uh, and so, it was a very nice ending. You enjoyed it. It was good. It was, it, good. It, it was nice. I, I didn't like the whole idea of back and forth with all the different, I, whatever, sure, you know. Okay. You're allowed. That, that's, yeah. that's a valid I mean, opinion. it's not like we're just, you know, Wonder Woman's going to jump back to... Yeah, but you sort of already said that, because, yeah. like, we... So the, the good or the bad about how DC Comics does their stuff right now is that every story is available to you, right? Yeah. Infinite Frontier, all kinds of cool shit. And that's great. That's great. The negative is, like... Okay, but, like, how does this tie into what's happening with all the other big characters? Like, over in Justice League, it's the big death of the Justice League. Whatever the hell's going on there. Our comic shop tried to slide that bad boy into my pile this week, and I said, no, thank you. I said, I do not want this. There are going to be dinosaurs soon. There are going to be. See, I do want that. I want nothing. I, I, want, I want the Jurassic no. League. I, I wouldn't it's a mind, six like, issue. It's a, a six sticker issue. It's of a the si- cover. It's a six-issue mini. i got to see what this is about. Also, one of my best friends is terrified of dinosaurs, so the idea of dinosaur Superman makes me giggle, because he's he's a giant Superman fan. So so I'm going to buy him all six copies, whether he likes it or not, and I'm going to hand deliver them to him, and then he's going to throw them on the ground and spit on me. And that's our friendship. What else you got on your read pile, Elle? Uh, speaking of, you should oh, be on. On the naughty <laughs> list! Yes, the naughty list. So, uh, just by looking at the cover... This is very reminiscent, again, only looking at the cover, of uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. That's what drew me in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a tremendously, just just a wonderful pile of shit. But I did look in to see what this was about before okay. I got, because I was like, oh, this could go... It could go one or any, two ways. Any, it any could go way. one or two ways. Yeah, I didn't know. I needed to know what to expect. I already knew that... There was a good chance it was going to be good because it's aftershock. Yes. Uh, and I actually 
decided I wanted to get it without even knowing if this was a one-shot uh-huh. or if it was going to be a continuing series. Turns out, yes, it is a continuing series. Well, probably a mini. Um, yeah. I don't know how many issues, but I, I don't want to know. I just want to... Read and enjoy. I just want to read and enjoy as long as I can. Uh, and the idea is that this is about a man that... Uh, was living during a time where there is like a plague going through. Uh, oh, so it, modern times. So, <laughs> wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it takes place in 2020. So four times. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> so he sees all these children just dying around him, and he wishes upon a star <laughs> that he could find some way to bring joy, joy, joy. To these these children, yeah. you know, in their time of need. And so that star fucks him up, man. <laughs> fucking ruins his life. Oh, yeah? He ends up having to live forever. Forever? Forever. Every morning he wakes up with an, just a need to make fucking toys. He can't, he can't not. He can't just walk away. It fucking brings him back. Oh, no. There's even one part... The naughty list appears because he starts, you know, like the star realizes he's like starting to like get, he's like, I'm fucking sick of this shit. So yeah. He, and he like, he literally, because like, the guy gets so fucking pissed off, like, why am I making toys for these little shits that yes. deserve it? Fair he enough. starts literally shitting in boxes and then giving them and the giving them to the kids. So the star is like, no, 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 you can't do that. So it, he wakes up one morning and the naughty list is printing on his list. But he can't even, he doesn't even bother looking at it because it's already in his fucking head just going and going and going. And this adds to the torment that poor fucking Santa Claus has to deal with. And <laughs> this is how he was created. Uh, but... <laughs> so, it, so once again, we have a comic book dealing with the question of immort- immortality and, uh, and, the que- and, you know, what do you do if you're immortal? Santa didn't want to be Santa. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but it, it shows, like, how over time, like, how just kids have become so spoiled and the parents have yes. get, get away with everything. It's the too. children that are the issue, no, of course. I know, the parents I know. are getting, like, get away with everything. Yeah. They mention all that stuff. Uh... But he, he finally, he gets to the point, like, somebody steals the, the naughty list, yeah. and he's like, fuck it. Well, bye. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, you know, unfortunately it turns out, you know, whoever has it is, like, doing some horrific things to people that are on the naughty list. And so he's like, and some of them are kids, so he's like, okay, I was fine with you just doing whatever the fuck you want. I don't want this job anymore anyway. I really don't. Uh, But he said, okay, well, here's the thing. I don't want you fucking around with kids. You don't kill kids. Right. So now now you see the cover. He's like, I gotta go bust somebody's ass. So now he's, so so it's Santa on a vengeance kick. Uh, Yeah. To save the children. Yeah, to to save the children now. Speaking of. So, you know, I really... I really, really like it. It's pretty good. Um, I want to continue with it. Not your pick of the week. I didn't say it. Pick oh, the week. oh, pardon me, pardon yeah. me. I didn't. You didn't announce that you weren't. Do, you have to tell me. Yeah. Otherwise, I just assume that the third or fifth or seventh book is the pick of the week. Mm. Okay. So we don't have a pick of the week. Not yet. Not yet. I understand. 
I'm sorry, the Tories are are going to war again. They were the ones. Books. They, they jostled the camera. I'm telling people why. All right, this is Rogues. Mm-hmm. Rogues issue two. Yes. This, of course, uh, in the prestige format. Um, the black label prestige. Go ahead. I'm just trying to explain to people what they're looking at. I didn't say anything. Go ahead. I was letting you finish. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Misfit Team is on their way to uh, Gorilla City. The idea is that uh, Grodd is so high and mighty, he doesn't even care about the gold that is just laying around in the city. Uh, so they've decided, look, we're all in a bad way. You know, this guy's in rehab. This person, you know, in a retirement home. Mm-hmm. I, you know, another person just being tracked at all times has parole officers checking in on him all the time. Yeah. You know, he gets no respect being made fun of at his, uh, his job, just trying to be a supervisor. <laughs> and so they said, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to go. I'm going to get this fucking gold, you know. From Grodd. Yeah, it's basically one of these, you know, probably last for all, you know, let's just, you know, let's let's go out big. You know, we've been treated this way, we deserve way more respect. Uh, but they don't realize that, look, you were already being watched upon on a daily basis, so yeah, the authorities have noticed that you guys are all missing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because they even make a joke. They're like, okay, so, you know, where's this guy? Oh, well, we'll check out with his sister. Oh, sister's gone. Okay. <laughs> what about uh, so-and-so? Oh, I see. He disappeared a couple days ago. Why didn't anybody say anything? <laughs> so Yeah, if, if everyone has a parole officer and everyone goes missing at the exact same time, someone's going to notice. They're going to notice. Uh, but the big thing is, is that... Uh, they actually find out very quickly that um, he refers to himself as Lord Grodd. Uh, as you and, do. Of course. And, you know, they find out very quickly that he actually is um, not as stupid as I'm thinking he's, he is about all this. <laughs> and, unfortunately, their city is uh, very... Um, very secure. So they're going to be running into a couple issues. So I don't know. I think it'll be good. You're enjoying it? Yeah. It's yeah. so good. All right. So what's your pick of the week then? Uh, it's going to be the Naughty List. I like, I like that you make your pick of the week and the cats just hop out of here. Like you're done talking and they're no longer interested in being in the office anymore. It's true. <laughs> awesome. All right. I got to rearrange some things real quick here. Excuse me a moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That one definitely goes here. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think it... Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. On my read pile, which was a very significant read pile, because, again, L lovingly decided to allow me to have all of the time here uh, this week, because it is my birthday. So, to begin... New comic alert, Bloodstained Teeth, issue one. This is another uh, vampire book, as we sort of mentioned. It appears that we are in a vampire trend right now. Uh, we've got DC versus vampires. Uh, uh, Damien Vampire Hunter is coming out. Those are tie-in books. 
Uh, we've got, um, there was another book that I read the other day that was vampire related, and now I can't think of it, even though I really enjoyed it. The hell was it? Oh, um, 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 West of, uh, West of, shit, West of Sundown. West of Sundown, uh, and then there's a town called Terror, and now we have Bloodstained Teeth. Uh, this book reminds me a lot of the comic, uh, that came out a, a few years ago, uh, called Sex, uh, in that it has a lot of the same artifacts, uh, very, I, I'm not sure if it's the same artist, I would probably say it's not, but it has a lot of this really great coloring, uh, where, like, the backgrounds are just sort of bland, and the characters themselves are hyper-stylized. I enjoy that a lot. It really helps, like, sort of create a very, like, 80s, 90s kind of feel to it. The story of Bloodstained Teeth is pretty, sim uh, pretty simple, but it's told in a very different way. Uh, so the idea here is that our main character is a vampire who's not so much down on his luck, he's sort of a mob boss, for lack of a better term, and the vampire families kind of work as a mob in and of themselves as well. Um, you could pay this vampire on the, on the DL a certain amount of money, uh, $10,000, $20,000, $30,000, and he will turn you. And in this universe, when you're a vampire who is turned, you're called a sip, like a sip of blood. And then there's original born vampires who can churn people, and the Sips can't turn anyone. They, they can't in this universe. Um, we, our main character turns this young girl who immediately posts about it on social media and instantly starts like hashtagging like, like blood, blood drinking or vamp life or something like that. And he realizes by turning this person, this was a bad idea. Um, vampires live by a very specific code where they try and not get involved in anything. They try and stay in the shadows for very obvious reasons. So he is uh, sat down by the head of the vampires. In this case, a guy named Brother uh, Stroker, which is a play, of course, on Bram Stroker. Uh, Bram Stroker having written Dracula, and he even says, I created Dracula as a way to you know get people off our trail, which I thought that was really cute. Um, very nice uh, sort of hit wink and nod. Um... The book, though, is a very quiet issue one, like extraordinarily quiet issue one. Um, it's just setting up what's apparently going to be the, the story here, which is our main character is going to have to go find all of his vampire babies, all the, the people that he's turned, and whack them. Uh, because he's screwed up and he's turned too many humans and all the shit's out of whack. Yeah, it didn't seem like it's that quiet. I mean, it's establishing a whole new idea of it. Like, okay, you know, you no, see random... You see all these shows and like movies and comics and just just novels of people getting turned and turned into vampires. So how what I mean what's the limit before it's just everybody fucking knows and everybody wants to be a vampire at that point, you know? That and, and that's that's a great question too. And that's always a question asked in those in those movies and T V shows, like how many vampires can really exist if they can only feed on humans? I mean, eventually, you know, the, the number of vampires to humans would outweigh it. Overall, I liked the idea of the first issue. I'm definitely going to give issue two a shot. There's no question about that. But I felt overall that I was like, all right, I probably would have liked if they went in one of two directions. Either they didn't give us this great backstory about the world of vampires, and they just focused specifically, uh, you know, they do like the Batman, the, the Batman, where you don't need to know about his training, you know, you know about his parents, you know, you know, you just, you know it, it's like, okay, we know what vampires are, we're good. Uh, in the first page, like, the first page alone is just writing, where they just explain to you the world. So I was like, oh, okay, well, then I, I probably won't need to worry too much about any of the backstory going in, because that's everything you need to know. You're reading comic books, you're a comic book nerd, 
you probably have an idea of what vampires are up to. So, I just thought it was a little bit, a little bit slow, a little bit uh, uh, quiet for my particular tastes. But other people may have read Bloodstained Teeth and thought it was fantastic. I want to see what issue two is up to before I make any determinations one way or the other. Okay. Next on my read pile, and always a fun read and always good times, Harley Quinn! This is issue 14. This is the second issue dealing with our new villain verdict, villain hero, Punisher-esque super um, tweener. I don't know. So Verdict has killed a judge, uh, a corrupt judge. I know what you're going to say. A corrupt judge in Gotham City. How could that be? Next you're going to tell me there's corrupt police officers in Gotham City. (laughs) Anyway, this issue is very notable because it gives us our first glimpse of Batwoman here in the Harley Quinn uh, side of the world. And, of course, it's drawn by the incredible Riley Rosmo, who does a, a, a fantastic stylized Batwoman whom I love his art so much. I actually tweeted at him one time, and I said, all right, Bob, I got to know, how much is it going to cost to get a commission? And he was like, I have no idea. Contact my agent. And if anyone ever says to you, I have no idea, contact my agent, the answer is way too much fucking money. So I said, that's very fair. And I moved on with my life. I get I get to see his artwork every month, so I'm okay with that. But Batwoman shows up. She's, in, she's investigating the crime. The rest of the Bat family is notably missing, and Harley is stuck in jail. And she even mentions that uh, when Kevin comes to visit her, you know, what about the rest of the Bat family? Nobody's nobody's coming to my aid, right? And Kevin just sort of, like, muddles through that and doesn't really mention anything. And Harley plays it off. She's like, you know what? I get it. We have to let the justice system do its thing. That's what being a hero... So Harley's still, like, she still considers herself to be part of the Bat family, whether or not Bruce and, and the gang are like, no, Harleen, you're, you're nuts. Go away. Um, <laughs> there's also, you know, mention of the fact that Ivy is missing and all the other stuff that we set up. This is a very cool issue, very neat issue. It sets up our next arc very well now that we know it's going to be dealing with Verdict and Batwoman is going to be involved. I think it's good stuff, but it's like sort of an issue one it's not quite a jumping on point because I guess the previous issue would be the jumping on point, but now we're really steaming along. Like we're we're gathering. Spe- this is issue two, if you will. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Because we know how arcs work, and if and honestly, if I had my way, I would restart every comic at issue one after every major arc ended. I would. I just think it's easier that way. But I loved it, and now we come to some sad news. The last issue of The Fourth Man, issue four of four. Oh, oh, how I loved this. Um, this is one of these books where they wrapped everything up. You got to see the how it came to be. You got to see why all three of those guys were murdered. And then, of course, this all began because there were two warring um, used car lots across the street from each other. And uh, one guy paid a, a hitman to go kill his competition. And that hitman paid a hitman who paid a hitman who paid a hitman who paid uh, the final hitman who actually was going to get the job done. But then at the last moment, the uh, guy who owned the other used car lot was like, whatever he's paying you to kill me, I'll triple it. So the hitman who's actually doing the work goes around and he's the guy who's taking out everybody else. Mm -hmm. And he's doing this for like 200 grand. And when he gets everybody dead, he kills everybody. He goes back to the original guy and he's like, all right, man, pay up. And I know you're going to be shocked to hear this. Shit goes sour. Mm. 
it's a really fun ending. The only negative I have to say about it is that they left the very last page very, very, very open-ended. You have no idea really how the book will end. It can literally go one of two ways, or I guess one of three ways, maybe. And that was a little, for me, that was a little disappointing. I wanted there to be more of a complete ending. Um, just me personally, that's just my, you know, my take. I think the ending that they went with is totally fine. The book does a great job of wrapping up the story. All is well in the end there. But the very last page, here, I'll, I'll just show you. You can sort of see what I mean without even reading the book, how we end things. So, it's fine, I enjoyed it, I had no problem with it, I loved it, but I would have liked to have seen a more definitive ending. If they're going to do another volume, then great, if that's just where the story ends, then okay, but I don't think we needed that last couple of pages. And again, this is just my personal opinion, your opinion may be completely different, it doesn't take away my enjoyment of the book whatsoever, I was just hoping for a more succinct ending. Basically, they, they tried a little too hard to give you some kind of a cliffhanger at the end. Right. That was needed. I, I, that I didn't feel was needed. Mm-hmm. Now, now, that's just, again, my personal opinion. I didn't think it was needed. I thought the story did a great job of wrapping itself up. Uh, I thought the main you know, guy could have gotten away with it, or you know, we, we just are looking for him forever. Maybe you know, that's how the story ends. I just didn't like the last couple of panels. It, it made me feel a little like, okay, sure. But, again, that doesn't ruin the story. It wasn't like it was all a dream or anything dumb like that. Um, I just didn't think it was necessary. Okay. Moving on. Benzaka! This is issue eight, and um, you remember how I was saying, like, I'm not really sure where we're going with Berserker. Like, like what's the end game here? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we know that B, uh, uh, Unut, was born uh, 80,000 years ago. He was a child, gifted powers from God, so to speak. But uh, they've been trying to set up this thing called Protocol X, where he basically unearths all of his power all at once. Because they're trying to find out what makes him tick and how he exists. When he unloads all of his power, it creates a massive earthquake, similar to an atomic bomb. And the doctor who's been working with him gets hit by one of these weird sparks that he's sending out, which is reminiscent of his birth how he was born. What is kind of astonishing is that the the bomb crater that he made when he unearthed all of his powers was two miles wide. That's how powerful he was. And then things start to get a little 2001 A Space Odyssey-y, where we travel back in time with B. He's, he's going back. He's going all the way back. In fact, he's going all the way back to the beginning of time itself. He's become pure energy at this point because he's unloaded all of his powers. And he perhaps meets his father, which would be the the living embodiment of God, I suppose? Hmm. Um, so things get a little sideways, but I think this is kind of where it has to go when you're dealing with a character like this. You know, he's essentially immortal. He's God on Earth. Something's got to give. Um, and then there's, so there, so when he unloads all of his powers, when he goes full berserker completely and totally, um, this one time, I guess he just rips space time and he becomes like a creature living between dimensions and looking for how he was born, I suppose. Now I, this is not the last issue of the series or anything like that. So all of these are 
thoughts and questions are me just sort of going, is this what's happening? I'm not really sure what's happening anymore. Hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm mad about it. I'm very interested. There is one criticism that I'm willing to dole out here, though. Um, and this is more of a me thing, but maybe others agree. I was hoping for a little bit more in the way of Berserker just going blood and guts crazy and killing a whole mess of people and things like that. Like, the first couple of issues were him just tearing people limb from limb, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> this was quite a left turn, but I will be honest, we've been seeing this turn coming for about three issues, mm -hmm. so it's not like they're just going in a different direction completely. This is the, what the arc has been building to, is now we're finally getting to, well, what really is this guy? What is this... this power that he has what is any of this and i'm down with that but it was um we'll say unexpected hmm. uh I, but then again the, the you know the immediate response to that is well what do you think was going to happen oh yeah. yeah all right before we get to the final two let's talk about the lion and the eagle issue three of i think issue four let me check the page i think it says to be concluded Yes. So this is going to be three or four. Um, so I think I mentioned this in a previous review, but I'm going to mention it again. When Garth Ennis writes about war, he's basically giving you a visual um, dramatization of actual events. This is not unlike watching a uh, History Channel um, show. Uh, where, you know, like Vikings or, or Washington spies or something like that, where I'm pretty comfortable the material here is, if I went and looked it up, I would find that there were, you know, these guys really existed, that these soldiers really existed, that this battle really happened uh, in World War, I think it's World War One, maybe World War Two. Uh, yeah, because they're fighting the Japanese, so I'm pretty sure it's World War Two. It's 1942, yeah, World War Two. Um, but Garth Ennis is telling the story and just like any good documentary series, the first couple of uh, you know notes of the story might be kind of boring or not super interesting, but we get into it in this issue. We get deep into it. And Garth has this incredible style about him where he just keeps pulling you... To, he's like quicksand. His, his writing style is like quicksand. Think about uh, Marjorie Finnegan and how like two or three issues in, I was like, where are we even going with this? And then by the fourth issue, I was like, oh my God, and, and he sucks me down. So The Lion and the Eagle, by issue three, the quicksand is completely up to my, up to my uh, chest at this point. I am all in on this. And what really set it apart was one of the main characters is a field doctor. During World War II, he's trying to like put people back together. And they've got this guy, he was uh, hit with a mortar. And they've got him on the table, and the doctor's like, oh, there's nothing we can do about the mandible, we're just going to have to take the whole thing off. And he, like, pulls the guy's jaw off, because they're trying to save him. He's trying to stop all the bleeding, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, he's both of his arms have already been destroyed because of the explosion. One of his legs is missing, and one of his associate doctors is basically telling him, look, I can't stop the bleeding in the leg. I'm pretty sure the artery's been cut. And the doctor's like, well, then take the other leg. And they say, sir... That's the only limb he has left. And if you want us to cut it, that limb off. And he goes, of course, we have to save him. And they're like, sir, it might be time to let this one go. Like, they took his jaw off. They're going to have to saw the only leg that he has left. Yeah. And it's just this one moment inside. The, like, that panel, there's like three or, four pa three or four panels of this doctor trying his best to save another life. But his other doctors, his associates in the field, are just looking at him like, 
you're, you're a miracle worker, but are your miracles worth working? And it sort of just all comes together in that la- in those panels of what is the point of this, and that's the entire story of what's going on in the Lion and the Eagle is the futility of it all, the absolute f- futility of it all. There's a guy, one of one of the guys that is on the um, is on their side, you know, he's a soldier, and he's speaking to the uh, lieutenant commander. And he's saying, listen, are we allowed to speak freely? And the lieutenant commander's like, we're trapped behind enemy lines. Do whatever the hell you want. What am I going to do? Court-martial you? Just have at it, bud. And he's like, I don't think we need to be in this country fighting another country's war to try and get people out of here just so people can extract oil and, and goods and services. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? We're not in another country. We're, we're the British and we're fighting alongside, you know, the people of India. And the guy's like, yeah. And their country was taken from them. I don't think they want us here any more than anyone else does. And again, it's this, this, this staggering reality of the futility of all of this and how pointless this endless suffering and tragedy is. And of course, you know, Garth didn't write this six weeks ago, but it does, it is incredibly correlating to what's happening with the people in Ukraine and what's happening in, you know, all over the world where all of these battles are being fought so that 20 people can get richer. And, you know, in, in the book, uh, the, the British are saying, we're trying to liberate the people of Burma. That's why we're here. We're, Burma, we're, we're here to liberate these people. And the guy's like, do the people of Burma want us to liberate them? Because I suspect when we liberate them, we're probably going to set up a base here and then extract oil from the people of Burma as sort of payment, right, for us liberating them. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing what's being said in the book. Yeah. But again, it's just one of those things where... I'm, I'm so entrenched in the story and I'm so interested in it. And then Garth lays all the cards out on the table and says, you see, do you see how fucked up this is? And I just sort of have to sit here and stare at those cards and go, oh my God, this is fucked up. The first issue of The Lion and the Eagle, I was just sort of like, oh, this is fun, whatever, who cares? It's a Garth Ennis book. It's Aftershock. I'm in on it. <laughs> the second issue, all right, you know, I'm getting a little bit more into it. Okay, whatever. And then the third issue, quicksand. And it's going to wrap up in the next issue and I'm pretty sure that everyone's going to die. I, I, I just, the way that they, so every, every time there's a wave of reinforcements that come in, like they drop bombs of reinforcements. Mm-hmm. So like they drop supplies and things like that. And the Japanese see the planes overhead because they're stuck behind enemy lines. They just swarm them. And every time they swarm them, they lose more and more members of this uh, uh, group that they have. Hmm. So... It doesn't feel like this is going to have a happy ending. Also, it's Garth Ennis. Rarely does he have a happy ending. Never. Rarely. <laughs> rarely. Speaking of people who rarely have happy endings, we here at The Read Pile have three specific creators that we tend to read at least one comic of every single week. Last week was an exception. We didn't have anybody. But this week, we're back on the horse. And those creators are Colin Bunn, Tom King, and Tom Taylor. And this week I have for you Dark Knights of Steel. This is issue six by Tom Taylor. Not my pick of the week this week, but maybe it would have been... I'll explain. Dark Knights of Steel issue 6 of 12 begins the ultimate final battle. We have six issues to go, and we are confirming in this issue that, yeah, the uh, Kingdom of Storms will be going to war against the Kingdom of Elves, and the Amazonians are taking side with the Kingdom of Storms as predicted. It's all been very, very obvious that that was what was going to happen from issue 2. What we get to see in issue three, though, or issue six here, is we get to see uh, Constantine outs Timothy Drake as a spy for Batman. 
Timothy Drake is then brought back to the L's where he tells them the you know the the kingdom of storms is pretty pissed off that Laura uh, what is her name Zara killed uh, their kid uh, Superman's sister who doesn't exist except in this continuity is it Zara it doesn't matter um, so yeah war's coming and Kal El so there's something very weird happening between issues of this book the children Kal El and, and Zara are acting very differently between each issue. So in the last issue, Kal-El was like, I'm killing you, Batman. I'm taking your ass out. You know, my it's time for my people to rule the world. We're stronger. We're faster. You know, the Kryptonians can conquer this planet, whatever we want. And in this issue, he flies to Amazonia. He flies to Themyscira to, to talk to the Amazons. And he refuses to set foot on Amazonian soil because he's just there to talk. And because he's Superman, he can do that. Hang on, let me see. There's this really great image. Uh, I'll tell you about that in just a second. But when he lands on, uh, he lands in Themyscira, he's immediately attacked, and they're like, no man is allowed to set foot on Themyscira. And he says, where is it? There's a there's a scene where he's literally hovering over Themyscira. Oh, did you? No. No, like you just see his feet not touching the ground. Yeah, there it is, there it is. I haven't set foot on Amazonia. Amazonia. I thought that was cute. Um, we then get, uh, we also get a really interesting sort of side story with why Rachel Ghoul has the name Rachel Ghoul. Do you know what Rachel Ghoul translates to? Mm-hmm. Head of the demon. <laughs> so in this continuity, the demon Etrigan is actually inhabited Rachel Ghoul, which actually makes so much more sense when you think about it. So Constantine summons the demon. Uh, Rachel Ghoul uh, shows, or the demon shows up. He then gets transport, transformed into Rachel Ghoul, and uh, Rachel Ghoul's like, "Why did you summon the demon? You knew you were gonna have to talk to me, uh, or something like that." And Constantine's like, "Yeah, that's what happens when you trade immortality for having a demon fused to you, bud." And for whatever reason, that just makes so much more sense in my head about Rachel, why Rachel Ghoul keeps reanimating. Like for whatever reason, that somehow is much more of a... Yeah, no, fuck a Lazarus pit. This makes an abundance. Also, his name is Head of the Demon. So, like, all of this suddenly makes just an enormous amount of sense in my mind. Fuck you, Tom Taylor! (laughs) How dare you? How dare you, sir? I love you. Please be my friend. Always give me more comics. These are amazing. Not quite my pick of the week, because it does have a lot of fun stuff, but it is very literally pulling... We're pulling the car back. The car has not been ripped off. Now, here's the thing, though. My pick of the week... This is not This is against the rules. It is against the rules. I can't stop myself. We have Demons Issue 2. Now, in the read pile, we've made it sort of an abundant... We have abundance of, like, unwritten rules. One of which is... Digital first comics, when they're released in uh, their their tactile form, don't tend to become picks of the week because they were already pre-released in digital format hmm. weeks ago. We Have Demons Issue 2 is no different. I don't care. This is such a cool book. Uh, and it's from Dark Horse Comics, and you go by way of Comixology, you can see it on the back. Um, we get to see this, the backstory of Gus and why he wears this little crown around his head and what he is as a demon, what he means to Cash, 
uh, and and to Lamb and to all the other characters. We also get to see a bunch of really gruesome token deaths as the demon folk show up and cause a great amount of horror. And then we get to see Greg Capullo really cutting loose with his art and things that you don't get to see in his regular DC and Marvel stuff where he just gets to draw these crazy, absurd, grotesque, monstrous creatures that I just adore. And I don't want to give away too much of the book, even though it's already been released. I guess it doesn't matter if I do, but there is one scene I have to show you just because it's so gorgeous. Here you can see Gus. He's gone full demon here. And he... El, you're a big fan of horror. How do you like that? It's good, it's good, it's good. It's good. That's all you got? That's all you got? It's good. It's good? It's good. (laughs) I really enjoy We Have Demons. It's not shocking. It's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, two of my favorite creators. You know, they did the Batman New 52 run that I adore. Uh, They did all the Batman Capullo stuff. Uh, uh, Snyder Capullo stuff was all great, and I loved it. Um... I couldn't stop reading this. I've gone through and I've actually flipped through it a few times since I put it down. I feel like We Have Demons Issue 1 was probably my pick of the week, and I just didn't want to give it to it because it was a digital first comic. But maybe it doesn't matter. We read our books mostly tactile. We, we, don't, we don't read the digital comics. We do when we have to. But this is so good. Uh, make sure you're checking out We Have Demons. Either do it through Comixology or go get the hard, uh, the actual physical... Uh, uh, Oh, yeah, that was the other thing I forgot to mention. I'm sorry. The one cool thing, though, that you do get with uh, the hard copies is you get to see all the art pages and how Greg sketches them out, and then they get inked, and finally they get uh, produced, which I think is cool that you're not just getting um, you're not just getting the comic that you may have already read, but you're getting to see how all the uh, covers were made and how all the art was done. Uh, and you can see that uh, Greg makes sure to uh, that he's the artist and that he puts the inker Jonathan... I think that's what's that? Jonathan uh, Glapian, Glampian, Glapian. But he's on these. He 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 writes the names of them back here in these pages. See that? Which I think is awesome. So yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Uh, we have demons issue two, naughty list issue one. Those are our picks of the week for this week. Uh, May it is May. Uh, for May 1st, uh, and we will be back next week with more comic goodness for you. Uh, until then, please make sure to follow us here on uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, you can check out our YouTube page. Give it a follow. It doesn't cost you anything, and you'll get alerted to the exact show that you just watched on Twitter. We might need to update some YouTube content with other things. Maybe not. I don't know. But please, if you're going to do anything else, listen to us on Anchor. It, uh, there's an ad on there that you can just skip through or just listen. At, I think it's like 20 seconds long. It helps uh, the, all your friends at the Wrestling Nerd Radio Network buy more comic books and go to more wrestling shows. So, for the original Angry Nerd Girl and myself, the Sussman Rick Sussman, we are Team Readpile. And please, if nothing else, go over to Instagram, follow Elle's blog, So You Have a Chronic Illness, so you can learn more about what it's like to live with chronic illness and how that goes. L, is there anything else you wanted to add? I'm good. You're good. All right. Once again, the original Angry Nerd Girl, L. Lestrange. I am the Sussman, Rick Sussman, and we'll see you guys next week as I continue to age into oblivion. <laughs> Until then, say goodbye, L. Bye, L. Why can't I hit the X? The X is so hard to hit. Ugh. Oh, standing up. 
Oh, audio only, friends. You get to hear me grunting as I walk towards the computer. That's fun, isn't it?